listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com propane plus in rhode island for all your propane needs call them 401-885-4209 in massachusetts you can reach them at 508-252-3359 propane heating and cooling it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 you're listening to the John DePietro show it's AM 1380 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipetro.com. It's Monday. It is, uh, well, it's the holiday. People observing Martin Luther King Day. And speaking of that, on this uh, Monday, January 16th, <clears throat> a little bit of um, some icy roads out there. Mm, I don't know if I'd call it snow. Definitely depends on where you are. Maybe a little bit of snow. Definitely it's slick, some sleet. Folks, I just want to touch on this... Um, very odd they unveiled it if you haven't seen it but even members of martin luther king's family are criticizing this 10 million dollar the embrace bronze statue that was unveiled in boston and it is um it, it it's just even the, the coretta scott king just members of his family are questioning it now there have been numerous stories about it. You can see not many people are talking about it the way the New York Post is, but it's um, it was approved, though. I believe it was approved by Martin Luther King III. They showed it to him, $10 million sculpture, and it's it's a little odd, and especially when you look at different angles of it, it looks maybe like something else. Um, Seneca, Seneca Scott said the mainstream media was reporting like it was beautiful because they were told they had to say that new artwork on the Boston common. When it came out, a little boy pointed and said, that's a, like a, a, a male human body part. She goes on to tell the New York Post, if you showed that statue to anyone hood, they would have been like, no, absolutely not. Um, and then others were saying, yeah, that's a, a big something. Ten, ten, $10 million added 
to a legendary, one of the all-time great American families, but they're blaming wool culture. But again, the members of the King family unveiled it last week, and they, Martin Luther King III, he approved the piece, which was designed by conceptual artist Hank Willis Thomas, and it's it's called The Embrace, and it was after he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. So people can complain, but I, 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 I agree. I found it odd. Um, it, it's definitely odd. Without question, it's odd. But it costs $10 million and it's up, and, and there it is. Now, this Biden... Oh, okay. Oh, I'm seeing... Um, let me just hear the... Two, apparently, I didn't realize this. The Today Show, they did a piece on it, I believe. Let me hear this. Yeah, here we go. Hope And they chose <clears throat> to actually commit those dreams to one another and to society. And that day was like proof that they'd done... what It was all worth it. That's right. The start of the dream is a love story. All right. I, again, I, I agree. There seems to be some confusion on exactly what those images are. But I want to get back and touch on the... The Biden document scandal is, well, let me play. The Today Show actually had a piece on it. ...documents at his home in Delaware. NBC's Monica Alba joins us from the White House. Monica, good morning. Chanel, good morning. President Biden didn't address the classified documents investigation over the weekend, instead letting his lawyers do the talking. The White House responding to mounting pressure released new information about additional records found in the president's Wilmington residence, attempting to explain why they haven't been more transparent as the controversy enters its second week. Frustration growing this morning inside the White House over the ongoing backlash to the discovery of classified documents in President Biden's private office and Delaware home, including from the president himself, according to three sources familiar with the matter. The battle for the soul of this nation is perennial. It's a constant struggle. The president in Atlanta Sunday celebrating the life of Martin Luther King Jr. in the church he once led while staying silent on the latest developments, including revelations over the weekend that more classified material was found at Mr. Biden's Wilmington home. All of it adding to growing questions about how the sensitive records ended up in his possession after leaving the vice presidency. Mr. Biden's personal attorney arguing they can't release certain details, quote, relevant to the investigation while it is ongoing. The total number of pages recovered is unclear, but documents with classification markings have been identified in multiple locations. Less than a dozen at the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C. back in November, while the rest were unearthed in the president's Wilmington residence in the last month, found in a locked garage and an adjacent room. The White House admitting Saturday that more classified material than previously known had been examined and handed over to the Department of Justice. As some Democrats concede the communication misstep, especially given the president's past criticism of Donald Trump's handling of classified information. It's certainly embarrassing. While defending key differences in the cases. More than 300 classified records were seized by the FBI at Mar-a-Lago after the former president refused to hand them over to the National Archives. That's apples and oranges. So we should keep a, a sense of 
proportion and measure. But that hasn't stopped House Republicans from already launching several investigations. What's real concerning to me is how justice is applied and is it applied equally? The GOP-led House Oversight Committee is now calling for the release of visitor logs from President Biden's Delaware home. Chairman James Comer writing a letter to the White House Chief of Staff citing a potential national security concern when it comes to any individuals with possible foreign connections who might have had access to the documents in recent years. Chanel? Now, it's my understanding that they don't, they're claiming, the Biden people are claiming they don't have visitor logs. But a big part of this um, that that needs to be examined and and people can't you can't forget about it and that is when they discovered the documents chris christie uh former governor of new jersey he made a good point of this on this week with george stephanopoulos is and that is that he withheld the information let me just put this is a really important clip uh, but, but I mean, d- d- does the, I mean, it is different, obviously, than the Trump case, but politically? Well, the, the political problem is the one that nobody's talked about yet, which is, why did they wait to tell us? I mean, they knew this before midterms. Yeah. Six days before. Right. Six days before. So should they have come out and said, well, wait a minute, everybody. Well, of course. Well, well, if you're Joe Biden who says, I must be transparent, Donald Trump's not, the, you know, uh, he is irresponsible for having these in his home. And meanwhile, now he knows he's got a bunch in his home. And they didn't. I think the real interesting part of the special counsel investigation, more interesting than the documents themselves, because we don't know what they are right now, so we're only speculating, will be... Who made that decision? Right. Ron Klain make that decision? Yeah. Who made the decision not to disclose? Not to disclose. Did Ron Klain make the decision? Did the president make the decision? Ooh. Who made the decision to not tell the American people six days before an election? And if Donald Trump had not told people six days before an election, what would the conversation be about right now? I guarantee you it would be about cover-up. And so, as a former prosecutor... You know, it's not always the obvious thing. Well, well Trump did more than make a decision not to disclose. He made a decision not to respond. My, my point is, my point, no, John, I'm, trying, yeah. I'm not analogizing the two yeah. situations. What I'm saying is, if you substituted President Trump for President Biden in the Biden situation, there would be lots of people on the Democratic side who would be jumping to the conclusion that Trump knew it, directed it, and should be held responsible for it. But I don't hear that about Biden now. And here's the problem. The problem is he withheld this from the American people for six days prior to a president, a midterm election. And I don't know why and who made that decision. You know, that is Chris Christie. That is an excellent point, And that should be highlighted enough. And he, he's 100 percent, you know, Christie, former prosecutor, he's exactly right. Who made the decision? Who made the decision on Team Biden? Hey, this doesn't look good. We better keep it from everyone. Folks, it's Monday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. AtMed Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At AtMed Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atman urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms 
They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing, at Med Urgent Care when it's an emergency. 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right, in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the managing editor, anchorising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, I'd like to start off our discussion with uh, Josh Saul, the housing secretary, uh, ended up having to turn in his resignation. This was uh, someone that I, I don't I don't remember that a lot of people seemingly knew a lot about him um, back in the fall when the problems you know be- began. It, at least they this was new that there's a housing czar, so to speak, and. Um, I, I don't know the whole thing. It's just the way it kind of played out. I still can't. I'm not sure what to make of it, whether the guy, you know, was in over his head, was a bad fit for the job or wasn't getting the support he needed or the governor threw him under the bus. Exactly what the problem was. But, um, boy, this went on for quite some time. And I, I think it caused a lot of damage for the McKee administration. I think so. And I, to me, the, the story is that it shows how inefficient government is for solving a lot of the problems we have. Yes. I mean, my imp- he seemed like another department head in the state government, which means very little authority or very few people knowing what he was actually doing. Uh, but it seems more than that. You've got the, the legislature and, and the governor uh, created this position as, it, as if it was solving a problem. They shoveled a lot of money over to it as if that was going to solve a problem and then sort of said, okay, do something. And, or at least retrospectively, that's what it seems like they said. And then you, you, but you put this guy in a position where he, he can't really do much. He's gotten a real authority. He could invest money in some solution that the state just, the, the legislature finds politically unacceptable and swoops in. Who knows? I mean, the guy could have spent the last year running into door, walls and doors uh, right. and getting nowhere. We, we just don't know. And that's part of the problem is he, it creates this, I mean, even even Republican leadership, Representative Chippendale saying, well, you know, if we need a leader in this position, well, I mean, do we and what would that mean? I mean, leadership means authority. It means the ability to you know, make decisions that other people disagree with. And I'm not sure that's what we want in a role like this. So we're just it's just an untenable position, it seems to me, to put somebody in. And he he wasn't very good at playing the game, I guess. You know, he, that's really what it becomes, a political game, which I mean. One of the names floated to replace him is Stefan Pryor from the Commerce Commission, and he's certainly proven over the last decade that he can play that political game. So if, yes. that's, the, if that's the qualification, he's good for it. I'm not sure that's what we want in somebody who's supposed to be addressing a centralized housing authority in the state. Um, you know, what's also interesting, Justin, as I, I think about it is, you know, we never saw him standing next to Governor McKee. It was never the sense of that, like the governor had his back. I thought as soon as right away the word started to leak out that he wouldn't talk to the press or was unable to talk to the press to take questions. When I finally did see him interviewed, I, I don't know. I mean, whether people like it or not, that to me has to be one of the qualifications. Or I'm I'm surprised that he didn't have, with all the press secretaries that uh, all these different departments have, I'm surprised he, he didn't have a high-paying press secretary who would then handle all the press. Um Again, I don't know enough about Josh Shaw, but uh, 
Like there were certainly as soon as a problem came up, there was to me there were red flags that he was as you was he was ill equipped to handle it. Maybe didn't have proper experience of staff, but um, I, I also didn't see tremendous support coming from the governor's office. Right, and I think you you point to two really important important aspects of this. I mean, for, on one hand, do we necessarily, and this gets back to Stefan Pryor and, and Gina Raimondo before both of them, uh, does is the most important qualification to be to know how to get this press secretary in there and message to right. other poli- other politicians and to the public? I don't know that that's the top priority for somebody in this role, but it kind of has to be. And one of the reasons it has to be is. Nobody really knows how these different, you know, we, we know the governor's kind of running things, but what do these department heads actually do? I mean, that's not clear. And I mean, it's not, if you contrast it, say, with the, the federal government, where you've got the president and then cabinet secretaries, you have a sense that the president's in charge, setting policy, the cabinet secretaries are running their, their departments. In Rhode Island, it's not clear at all. I mean, with any of them, whether we're talking the Department of Education or Housing or right. Health and Human Services, most people don't know who they are. And, and it, the governor's just don't seem often, I mean, they pick and choose which ones they want to be seen with and which ones they want to emphasize, but you don't get the sense that there's a whole lot of coordination to actually run things. There are a lot of press secretaries, most of them taken from the Providence Journal and other media, but there aren't, there aren't a lot, there's not a sense that, and and this went for for Raimondo too, there's not a sense that they're part of a team and that's, that's the problem. So you, this guy didn't realize perhaps that being a politician was his primary job. And I'm not sure that's the wrong thing. To, I'm not sure he's the wrong kind of person. Maybe we want somebody in that job who doesn't sure. realize they're supposed to be a politician, but we, we, we really need to do better defining that as Rhode Islanders. And we don't call on our elected officials to be clear with us at all on these things. During the, um, the pandemic, I mean, when you would see governor Gina Raimondo on television, you know, to me, it just became very clear that, you know, Dr. Scott was, she kind of had her back. She felt strongly about her. She'd have the education commissioner. Um, Governor McKee, he kept some of those going. Notice, I, I don't think he'd be equipped to handle that now. Hmm. Uh, but then in the, in the beginning, you know, we had Lieutenant Governor there. He tried to do some of that. But you, you don't see anything, Justin, like that anymore with this governor, which also leads to, I'm just curious your thoughts. I mean, it is starting to be a little bit, of an undercurrent in the media, just I mean, there's there's a keep it a low profile, but then I mean, Governor McKee, it's become like no profile. He he did after since the election, um, he he had to deal with you know the problem with the people sleeping out in front of the state house. He did the tree lighting at the state house. He had his inauguration, but I mean, I'm just curious your thoughts on is that maybe the way that the governor should operate? But he is. Um, he definitely has some animosity towards the press. Maybe it's linked to potential legal problem that he has with that whole FBI probe. But just your thoughts of this is, um, I, I mean, granted, and we're going to talk about his upcoming state of the state, but th- this is, and even I'm hearing at the state house, this is like real low, pro- low, low profile. Yeah, well, I mean, not there. I, I think so. I think you you point to something with with the difference. Say, contrast Raimondo during COVID, and the only real other person in his kind of team is he's been active with is Sabina Matos, and yeah. that that the difference there is Raimondo brought in Scott and um, also the. Uh, 
the education secretary when the Johns Hopkins report. I mean, those were people directly involved with a specific problem that had to be solved. Right. And so you saw that. McKee brings in Mactos. That's just cover so that he can he can skip past the diversity you know fight. That's right. You know, that's I mean, there's she her, she has no role. Lieutenant Governor does no. nothing. Isn't really answerable to him unless she wants no. to be. And so it's it's purely hugging her to say, look, I'm a white guy hanging out with a non-white woman. Uh, that's really not. I mean, that's a very 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 different thing. And I think it goes into he he's not. Uh, a great manager he's he's and he's not very good at politics i mean he he, no. he knows how to work rhode island but he you can see the strings that he's pulling it's not there's no he's not very good at the illusion of it and that that's that may be a problem but i think that's that's why he's keeping a low profile i, I mean you get the sense and we observe this all the way through the election it's almost like i i i bought this election fair and square and now i i'm not gonna I have to do anything else good you know, line have to i just have to sit here and be quiet and there's there's no upside to him to being public because if he says something silly which he often does he'll just take hits so you know he he got in he didn't get into office by being open and transparent and competent so why why bother doing that now that he's in office that's not what his, he sees his role as it seems and and before we break i i go back to justin and you and i really zoned in on it but that primary day uh, photo of him standing at the polls with Pat Crowley. I mean, to me, that that just summed it up right there. That he was essentially long for the ride. That's who was going to push him over the finish line. By the way, they they did push him over the finish line. But uh, this is not someone that truly is. I, I don't know what to make of it. Actually, we'll talk about it, folks. Much more ahead. Quick break. Politics this week. Justin Cass, managing editor, AnchorRising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. <laughs> The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Before we talk about Governor McKee's upcoming State of the State, uh, Justin, I did want to get your thought. It was it was not lost on anybody, that, and it was, it was last uh, Monday night, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But there you have the swearing-in ceremony of the new Mayor Johnson, Joe Pe- uh, Mayor Policina's son. And he... Uh, Mayor Palacina's son, who's the new mayor of Johnson, he actually worked in the McKee administration. Apparently, he resigned earlier than the governor wanted him to, to start focusing on his Johnson race. And so that was a problem. When Governor McKee came in, the mayor of Johnson, Joe Palacina, he was very active with the search for the lieutenant governor, and he was pretty vocal about it. And Governor McKee is supposed to be this, you know, he's, he's one of the mayors and speaks their lingo and all this other stuff. But uh, conspicuously absent at the inauguration, not only was he not there and didn't even say, like, I have a conflict, I am not going. Helena folks was seated prominent, seated prominently on stage. Ashley Kalis won Johnson, by the way, and I think Helena folks won Johnson. So just curious your thought. What does that tell us, uh, say, about Governor McKee and 
essentially boycotting that that Policina inauguration. Yeah, you know, actually, what comes to mind, there was a, an 80s movie, I forget the name of it, with Patrick Dempsey, where he, he suddenly becomes cool. I think he, he pays a cool girl to go out with him or something like that. And he just has his new friends, you know, and, and so he doesn't hang out with the old ones anymore. In fact, I think they vandalized one of his old friends' houses. It, it feels almost like that. Like, I'm in a new, I'm in a new group now. I don't need you people. And, and then when that starts to happen, you get the bad blood. And uh, so I could see that happening. I mean, he's no longer, I mean, he, he did nothing for municipalities. He's done nothing for small business. He is 100% in it with the unions and uh, to a lesser extent, some of the more, the progressive groups who he's wooing that's it he knows who he needs to whose bread he needs to butter and that's what he's doing and and it's just interesting i mean this is all post right post the election um that's that's a pretty loud statement to not even go go through mm. the motions not like he has to give a speech or anything but boy that that sent a message around and and i know that the place was buzzing that helena folks uh, that there she was sitting prominently on the stage, and then Governor McKee was a no-show, and not only a no-show, it wasn't like oh he's out of town, he's got this or that. He openly declined an invitation. Now, Justin, uh, the big story this week is going to be Governor McKee and his state of the state that's coming up. Um, I, I just don't recall a time that I have been less interested <laughs> in hearing what it's going to be, and it just goes back to that inauguration of this is our time and this is our moment. And, and and keep the momentum going it is um the it, the only reason they're even functioning is because of all the covid money that's come in so so everyone's supposed to get together and stand and give applause and it's just all this money that he's going to throw around that seemingly none of it goes to taxpayers or families or businesses so John, are you there? I think I've lost you. Just your thought on the state of the state. Oh, well, I, no, I agree with you. The it, It's very hard to think of a reason to want to watch it. I mean, it, it's it's going to be a bunch of pabulum. He's going to say, you know, he's even making one-liners worse. I mean, or, or taglines. The one you mentioned, it's the last part that's that's important. This is this is our moment. And he ends it. This it's our turn. As if, as I said last week, as if this just <laughs> we just we get this. Oh, it's and I think he, it reflects on him. It's my turn to be the full governor now. I mean, yeah. it's it, that's the impression you get, and that's just not how reality works. You've got to prepare. You've got to earn something. You've got to make things happen. I, so I think we'll get a lot of baloney about the economy. We'll get him throwing some some crumbs to the, the labor unions. I mean, crumb, visible crumbs. They're getting whole cakes behind the scenes, of course. And he's just, I think it'll be just a basic, you know, everything's sunny. He's going to take credit for a lot of the money that he gets to hand out because of COVID. And that'll that'll be it. And with his usual poor delivery and and lack of timing. So it's 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 hard, like you said, to, to, to think of a reason to want to watch something like that. Yeah, and I also, I just think of this, and again, folks, our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. Justin, I also find that um, we're just living in a time that there there are some high-profile governors around the country. That's one thing that I think COVID really did in the beginning, you know, was uh, the governor of California, Governor Newsom in, in Cuomo. But I, I find that more people are starting to become aware uh, for various reasons, and I can't put exactly my finger on it. I'm going to say COVID, but let's just say, you know, in the past, I, I just don't recall 
a lot of people openly talking about what a good job, say, the governor of Florida does, Governor DeSantis. He's a known, uh, obviously, a lot of people in our region go down there either to live permanently or just at least in the winter months. But th- there's definitely a buzz of, you know, boy, that's an impressive governor. And you're hearing about the governor of Georgia, Governor Kemp may uh, seek a run for president. And But between DeSantis or the governor of Texas and the governor of Virginia, uh, let alone, you know, the outgoing governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, who was leaving with a 70 percent approval rating. And uh, here's Governor McKee still stuck at he's the fourth least popular governor of the country. Governor, uh, Justin, do you think that also reflects that people there there are comparisons to make? And then when they look at the way some states act as they are governors compared to this governor, it's. It's 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 not a comparison. I don't think that the McKee people are are happy about. <laughs> well, certainly not. But I, I don't think it's a, a comparison they're willing to do anything about. I mean, what what all the what most well I, I don't know much about what Baker specifically targeted, but the others that you mentioned, they they pick issues, they're strong on them, they tell you what they're going to do, and they do it, and that, that's what leadership is. McKee is not. He, he it doesn't seem he wants to pick an issue make any change he just wants to play the game he wants to be able to play the game stay in office get his little entry on wikipedia uh saying he was a governor of rhode island for 12, 10 years i guess it'll be if he keeps his job that's that's what he wants so he he's not gonna risk it on trying to be a great governor he just wants to get over the line i think it's like i said it's his tagline ends with it's our turn i mean he's not it's not I'm going to win this race. It's not we're going to we're going to exceed expectations. It's not Rhode Island is about to explode because we're going to make these changes. or we're going to solve these problems. It's just I've got some money to give out. I bought my seat and I'm going to play Rhode Island's games with the powerful people here, which mainly means the labor unions. And that's that's really it to, to be to be a top tier governor. You've got to. To be a mid-tier governor, you've got to set goals. To be a top-tier governor, you've got to start to achieve them. And he, he's not willing really to risk anything on either, I don't think. Yeah, and, and before we take a break, one thing about uh, DeSantis, well, two things. First, there was a piece of the Boston Globe last week uh, by the, I, I think it was Mike DBS, who was the Department of Administration. He wrote, boy, you know, it's embarrassing about the Rhode Island education situation and the amount of kids that are not proficient at grade level. And boy, we need to do more. But there's no mention of the t- of the teachers unions. And I'll, I'll point to Governor DeSantis, the governor of Florida. And Justin Katz, he when, as he's talking about improving education, he actually said and, and that means going to war against the teachers unions. All this talk around here. No, none of what what I found embarrassing is that none of these, quote, leaders or adults in our region will stand up to them. Um, in, in other areas, when you see the people that are truly making gains, the one part of the equation that they don't leave out is and it's it's right in front of everyone. But you and it is the problem is the teachers unions. They, they don't allow the longer days. They don't allow you to fire a teacher in North Kingstown. That guy was caught with some kind of a the students at the pedo database and they're going to let him resign at the end of the year. You, they, you, you can't fire them. They won't extend the school day. They won't extend longer hours. Uh, the principals can't move around who they want. They simply can't fire bad teachers that then start using all these sick days. Um, but it's I think that's the thing. It's refreshing to have someone DeSantis come right out and say, this group is the problem. We need to 
take away some of their power to improve education. Right. Well, and I think the message, and this went back to, to Donald Trump's campaign for president as well. The the back the, the message behind it is really, in a sense, you're not crazy. Things are as they appear to be. Right. They, this group of this powerful organization, a teachers union, is a problem. Uh, I mean, that's just one example of the many areas where people are being told something that's just not true by most politicians, and that that's really the, the like I say, you've got a, a a good governor, a good political leader at all has to. Pick a pick an objective and then achieve it. And to achieve it, you've got to acknowledge what your what the problem is. And it's just crystal clear that organizing our education around teachers' unions is the problem. That's it. There's there's no there's no but. There's no adjustment. That's it. That is the problem. And you've got to you've got to point point that out in order to be a good leader, especially on that particular issue. And there's just no way the McKee organization is going to do that because that's. I mean, in fairness to him, there's no tolerance in Rhode Island politics for that at all. You don't hear it in the media, even right. even stalwarts. I mean, I remember when uh, Dan York on WPRO was saying that Bob Walsh, the head at the time of the NEA, was like the devil, he called him. And then flash forward, and he's Dan York's buddy McKee is, as you said a, few, a little while ago, at the polls with NEA uh, right. rabble-rouser Pat Crowley. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how far we've gotten. You, you can't, there's nobody who has, who has the political clout or the courage to say anything bad about the teachers unions because the state is now locked down by the labor unions, AFL-CIO as well, not just the teachers unions. But um, that's that's just where we are. And McKee is just that he's got his finger in the wind and that's the game he's playing. And it's not it's not going to make him a, a an admirable person or a, a historic governor, but it might get him through two, two term, full terms. Yeah. All we have to do now is we're just going to sit back and watch as he is going to now have to deliver on all these campaign promises. Yeah. Um, that's really what his, his governing has become. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorizing.com, right here on the John DeVitro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. Our segment is Politics This Week with you. is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorizing.com. Well, Justin, Hugh Clemens is the chief of police in Providence. He is going to be leaving. Uh, hasn't announced exactly yet. But so with Brett Smiley, this is big. Uh, he'll be naming a new police chief, new mayor, his own uh, new chief. But I'm curious your thought of, number one, uh, Chief Clemens, who I, I like and admire and respect and enjoy a good relationship with, He's going to be uh, 
he's leaving on his own. So he apparently is going to be part of the process to kind of help select the next chief. But one of the things they announced is whoever they think they're going to maybe have three to five finalists. And they're talking about having them go around and doing like some community forums to, um, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but other than it sounds like an audition with uh, some of some different community groups. Now, I, I put I don't, I don't think that's a good idea at all. I know um, it kind of to me goes back to we saw how um, Governor McKee really kind of started to lose control of the lieutenant governor thing. To me, it starts to become like American Idol. Um, and it, it these things, it it's, may sound good in a, you know, in a conference room somewhere, but I'm just curious your thoughts. And again, I'm open, maybe I'm wrong, but to start to send the three to five finalists out and they're going to have to maybe speak and answer questions at like some, at some community forums. Well, I guess there, there are two levels of analysis here. The first is the job as it exists. That's, I don't know. I think it's, that's probably a reasonable idea because a big part of the job is going to be uh, public relations and that sort of sure. thing. Yeah. Uh, so you want to know if people are going to do that. That's one level of analysis. The second level of analysis, sort of like we were talking about before with state department heads is, is that what a police chief ought to be doing? I don't right. know about that. I think that sounds more like the mayor's job to be yeah. the one out there being, being, talking to the community and then telling his police chief this is what we're going to do and the police chief can do the job of being a police chief and not being a politician and i think that's that's an important distinction that's getting lost around here lately and if if the if the mayor thinks he needs somebody else in between then you know get a whatever a public uh, was a public safety commissioner or something who's going to be that mid-tier person who is a little bit more of a politician but yeah i, I mean so as it is i think it's probably an okay idea but I don't think that's how it ought to be run, but I'm, I'm, and I'm also concerned about the idea. I mean, so we're, we're going to hear from the community. Okay. That sounds good. You want community buy-in, but it depends who's speaking for the community. And I'm a little right. concerned. I mean, the only forum I've seen announced so far, I might have missed some is being held by the nonviolence Institute and Pablo Rodriguez, who's a progressive abortion activist. And so if right. who's talking for the community, that's not the community. That's, you know, a, a subset of activists really. And they're not going to have, they're going to have a very different view of what a police chief ought to be doing. And uh, it made me think of the community safety act of a few years, 10 years ago, six years ago, which I, think uh started to lay the groundwork for more of the gang increase in gang violence we've been seeing because it was like a gangland security act is what i called it at the time to make it harder for police to do their job of of catching and, and stopping gang formation and i think you get that stuff when the when your community voice are the activists i mean i didn't hear uh, the chamber of commerce or business groups or those are parts of the community too so i think that's that's one concern i have the community uh, similarly to the uh, the interview process to overall i mean the idea of involving a community is great but you have to be careful about who you define as the community and who speaks yes. for them excellent point you know i should think as i think of it pablo rodriguez he was all in Fidelio gobea and if you remember, he even stated he thought Helena Folk should leave the race. <laughs> and then uh, it, uh, obviously, look at the way that turned out. She, you know, was far more of a dynamic candidate. And I like to remind people, she won Election Day. She beat Governor McKee at the polls. She handily uh, trounced uh, Gorbea. But what, what did her in with those those mail ballots? Finally, Justin Katz, there's been uh, quite a bit of talk in the news regarding the uh, program Caught in Providence and Judge Caprio, uh, who sat as the municipal judge started off as just an interconnect, used to be on Channel 13, 
And then the right people saw it or someone saw it and thought, hey, you know, this this is good. This older judge has a certain demeanor about him and uh, imparts wisdom and guidance to certain people. Um, it's a different demeanor than some of the other judge shows that have been on television. And um, and it's been an uproar now because of some people questioning uh, whether or not the show, how it did or what it did as far as making money in the syndication. I'm just curious your thought on some of the politics within Providence and just on the nature of that story. Yeah, these these things make me wonder why we just can't do things right around here. I mean, so you've got this show and there's there's some debate of whether courts should be on TV and, and that kind of thing and or may, uh, become a kind of an entertainment forum. You know, I, I kind of fall on the other side where it demystifies the courts. If you've been watching yeah. this and then you then you end up in court, it's not a scary thing. It's just a right. process you go through, which is how it should be. <clears throat> and then people should have that sense of judges are people trying to make decisions. They're not there to, you know, bring down the gavel on you and, and so on. Uh, so it's, it's, I think it's probably a good thing the show is out there. And, you know, there, there's no reason it can't make money. There's no reason it can't for some, for the people who are producing it. There's no reason the city couldn't have been ahead of it and said, okay, here's our arrangement. Here's the person in city hall. Who's going to kind of oversee this and make sure nothing strange happens and everything's positive And as we expect it to be, but instead it just becomes as, political mess where you've got people spouting off like former judge Steve Erickson, who's one of the Twitter's crazier Rhode Islanders uh, you've got, and, and then you've got, you know, the ethics commission coming in and John Marion of, of common cause. Oh, well that deal. Oh, well, it looks like corruption there. You know, I, it just becomes this big mess. And you've got city council members saying, I don't think I would have voted him to, for him to be chief. I think we need a more diversity. I, I, I don't know why we're so crazy around here. That's, yeah. that's a, why can't we just do this kind of stuff? You've got this show that people know all over the country. You know, it comes up indirectly in my social media every now and then with a special moment where the judge is you know, complimenting a 90-year-old guy who's driving his 60-year-old son to cancer treatment. Yeah. That's, that is great for the great for the city as a as a presentation, and it's also great for people to see that the courts, as I said, aren't these scary dark places where you get locked up for no reason. So right. I I just don't I. I, I feel like we don't know how to work together in Rhode Island because it is that political and especially in Providence, it is that just that political feeling. It's completely run by politicians, completely run by special interests. And they just, this is the, their environment. It's how they want to live. And I don't think the rest of us should. Yeah. The, the, especially it's funny you mentioned about the courts because the Kent County courthouse, when that was being built, they said, Oh, it's going to be really media friendly. And that's one of the reasons we're doing this and that. And it's going to be really ideal for the media to cover I'll tell you, when I go there, they, they are the most uncooperative group. <laughs> they won't let me film. They won't let me do anything. Uh, you try to talk to someone, they don't want to hear it. They just, nope, can't do that, can't do that. So it doesn't stand up. You know, Justin Katz, actually, one final story. So you have Reverend Donald Anderson, who is uh, apparently now transgender, who I'm, I'm not even sure he has a church, but he gets called out at certain press briefings. He ran for office. Um, he's been on the scene for quite some time. Your, I'm curious, curious your thoughts that he has announced that he wants to be the head of the Rhode Island uh, Women's Caucus, I believe is the name of it, or some variation of that. And he's saying that it would be an unbelievable moment if, in fact, they would recognize him. Uh, so he would be the first transgender person who's then the head of the Women's Democrat uh, caucus in Rhode Island. 
Um, part of me likes because I'm anxious to see how the Democrat Party is going <laughs> to handle this. But just your your particular uh, thought on that. Well, I mean, the, the, I mean, more than that, Cynthia Mendez from the political co-op is, has endorsed him. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, there's a joke that goes around and it could get you canceled to say it, but, you know, men make the best women and it's becoming clear. Uh, th- but the, that joke kind of points to something here. Like, what is up with the women's group? You know, the, the thing about Donnie Anderson, uh, yeah. I don't know much about the role, the ministry or any of that. But when I read the story, when he came out in a Providence Journal and and what he put his wife through. Oh. Was was just disgusting. Just yeah. parading her forward, you could tell she almost like she's shell shocked woman whose life has just been turned upside down, and he's parading her around for media hits. It's disgusting, and the idea that a women's organization, Republican, Democrat, conservative, progressive, whatever, any women's organization, watching that and saying the transgenders are on our agenda, and so this is our person. I mean, that just it's just I, I don't know where the women who actually want to be represented are. I mean, that's just this, this whole idea of, I mean, all of it. And you see it with the transgender athletes and the swimmers, where are the women's groups saying, no, 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 no. We have our own sports for a reason. It's just, we're just so locked down in the politics and everybody's scared to speak frankly that Donnie Anderson's a guy pretending to be a woman. Maybe he heartily believes it's true, but it's, it doesn't make it true. And for there not to be a, a, a kind of a women's caucus to, that can say, yeah, no, sorry, <laughs> women only. I, and by the way, we don't appreciate how you treated your wife in this whole affair. I mean, that, that something is tremendously lacking. And even though I'm on the other side and, of the politics and, and can't wait to see uh, the progressives blow themselves up with insanity, although they'll bring a lot of us down with them, uh, I, it, I don't know, it just does not sit well with me, the way, the way people are just accepting this craziness. Yeah, and just finally also, Justin, it also to me, it's always so, so, so self-centered of, it'd be great because I would be the first and this has to happen. And you and I talk local politics, but I think one of the best examples and problems with the, uh, with the Democrat Party, and you, we're, seeing, we're all seeing it play out on the national stage, and that is the White House press secretary uh, wasn't chosen for qualifications, wasn't chosen for be the best person for the job. No, they, the Biden people, wouldn't this be great? We're going to have the first person of color. And they also love the fact she also happens to be openly, you know, in a same sex relationship with, with the, the, the whole element of the document scandal that is broken open. Everyone, all media, by the way, you're, people are, you're seeing exactly why. It's the wrong reason to choose her because she is completely in over her head. She is completely incompetent. Uh, I even saw Don Lemon and CNN was saying, this is mean. They're sending her out there to, to answer the questions. <laughs> that is her job. Chris Wallace is like, excuse me, she signed up for that. Don Lemon was saying the, the, the president should be out there instead of sending her out there. Dan Abrams said, I don't, if he tweeted out Dan Abrams, I don't care. He's the legal analyst for ABC. I don't care if you are like Biden or not the Biden. She is the worst press secretary I've ever had. <laughs> but it comes back to Justin Katz. But her, that's not the reason she was chosen. She was chosen because that was their attitude. It was going to follow Jen Psaki. Boy, wouldn't this be great? Person of color plus she's in a same-sex relationship. That became the motivation as opposed to, or the top qualification, as opposed to 
let's get the person with the best experience who would be the best person for the job. And then regardless, whether it's male, female, gay, straight, atheist, Catholic, Jew, whatever, let's just get the best possible person for the job. Right. Well, that's not the that's that isn't what's been being pushed, especially no. through the universities. And it's it's all diversity and equity. And that is the highest qualification. Diversity yeah. is our strength. There is no other qualification that compares. And you could you could go right down a list. I mean, I mean look at Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, yes. completely competent. He, many huge travesties, some of which he was out on parental leave paternity uh, yeah. for uh, it, apparently recovering from a hard adoption. I mean, the the. The idea that this this is a a strength is ludicrous. Put it aside. Maybe maybe we shouldn't care about it, but maybe it shouldn't be a factor either way. But it's not the biggest factor at all. And I think we we see that when whenever you and I mean I mean this is this could be a long discussion, but I mean when you, you talk you hear I think it's American Airlines where we're going to have the most diverse uh, pilot fleet uh, crew right. in. The, in the industry well no i'm not sure i want that i mean i don't i don't don't care about the identity of the pilot but i don't want that to be overriding if there was somebody better i don't want that person to not get it because it was a white guy i you know i want the better person to be flying my plane and i think that's a very symbolic kind of a a representation or standout for all of this you get these people who they don't they're there because of their identity and it's just it, it pretends that it pretends that what they're actually doing doesn't matter. I mean, that's really what it does. You, you don't need a press secretary. You, you really don't. So we could put anybody there. It doesn't matter. Whatever their identity is, yep. that's because it's about the identity. And I don't know. Somebody somebody asked on on social media the other day, like, what kind of what kind of people promote this sort of idea? And I mean, the only answer I can think of is people who 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 want to destroy a nation. <laughs> Or, yes. or, or are being duped. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of, the only excuse for that. Any organization you run, if you are putting diversity as the core function of, of the core attribute of any leader, you're, you're, you're just trying to make it explode because ultimately you're denying that their jobs matter and you're denying reality. And, and I, I don't know how long that can go on. I don't think much longer, actually. Yeah, it's and let's and this scandal with uh, President Biden's not going to wait anytime soon. No. So it's entertaining to watch our folks again. <laughs> Our segment is politics this week. He is the managing editor at anchorising.com. Just an excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. They specialize in patios walkways steps they did a fantastic job on my outside steps outdoor kitchens landscape lighting retaining walls lawn installations excavation call limitless outdoors today let's dream build and enjoy 401-580-1852 based in smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy
to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, DePietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, topetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there folks it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com and on the left hand side you can always listen live again all our links everything begins and ends right there at the website dipetro.com it's getting cold already this winter keep your family your employees warm with matthews oil company call them today 401 941-7500 matthews oil company 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil They take pride providing reliable, affordable service for you and your family. Celebrating 90 years of service. Call them now. It's going to be a cold winter. Get that tank filled. Call Matthews Oil Company today. 401-942-7500. In an emergency, they offer 24-hour emergency service. Matthews Oil Company. 401-942-7500. 24-hour emergency service. Right, Jim? Yes, and for right now it is expensive for people you'll work out payment plans for individuals with oil yes we have budget plans we have uh we also take state uh we take state heating assistance we belong to every city and towns uh community action groups we've participated with that for 20 years we're actually 30 or 40 now since the 80s Falcon Pest Services, 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today, 401-739-1322. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. Locally owned and operated, serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. They offer services for termites, bed bugs, ants, roaches, mice, rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or a restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon Pest services today. Free consultation, 401-739-1322.